Last week we were in, um, I'm in a series called, If You Know, You Know. I believe in the pandemic situation, we are in the middle or the early stages, I should say, of what I think is a Holy Spirit reformation. I think there is a recalibrating happening in the Western church and we need it. And um, I believe Holy Spirit is being welcomed back into the life of the church and, and we need it. And um, as your pastor, I just recollecting the last few weeks of the things the Lord has said. I don't come and just preach sermons. I believe there are messages that God gives us and, and I want us to continue to chew on them so that we can understand what he has said and what he is saying today. Just a couple weeks ago on Resurrection Sunday, we talked about the fact that the, the, the parallels of what happened when Jesus was crucified, we had a mob mentality, we had an unfair trial, we had a questionable election, we had a cancel culture, and an innocent person died. And it was all fulfillment of prophecy. And even with all of that, three days later, Jesus was resurrected from the tomb. And so do not be dismayed at what you see happening in our culture. It's a divine setup, mob mentality, cancel culture, questionable this and that, the wrong people in the wrong places, still resurrection power is issued from the throne of Almighty God, our maker, our, uh, the maker of heaven and earth and our spiritual father. Y'all tracking with me? That's why, listen, I, that's why you won't, you'll seldom hear me say the word Easter. I, I call it Resurrection Sunday. It's not Ishtar. And I don't get legalistic about it, but we can't overlook what happened. The tomb is empty. And every Sunday, our behavior and worship in this place should say the tomb is still empty and we know it. Can I get a witness? Last week, we talked about half-brained Christianity. Shoulders up and shoulders down. And most of us come from a, most of what Western church ministry looks like, appeals. It comes from the shoulders up to people and it appeals to their intellect, to their mind, the logic. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where it starts. But it's got to go be beyond that, not just shoulders up, but shoulders down. And we talked about the last few weeks, semantic memory. Semantics has to do with words. Those are, we know the states. We know our address. We know, at one point, we knew the presidents. And it's, it's that, that stuff in our memory that if you, if you don't use it, you will lose it. But if you use it, you, you can recall these facts. And that's the semantic part of our brain, that semantic memory. And we've talked about, listen, the episodic, where episodes shape us. And there's memories, our autobiographical memory, the story of what's happened to us. And that's really who we are. And that's how we've been shaped. Everybody listen to me. And, and we're in a church, it's shoulder up and shoulder down. And you've heard me say, and I'm going to go deeper, deeper, deeper today. And this, it, it, that Holy Spirit comes. And that episodic autobiographical memory of our brain, that right side of our brain, 
He comes to renew and restore and heal and deliver. And God said in the Old Testament that I'm going to put my spirit in you. You will have a new heart. You will have a new mind. I'm going to move you to be able to keep my laws. And so that's what we've talked about last week. And um, on a half-brain sermon, your half-brain pastor got halfway through the half-brain <laughs> sermon. And so this Sunday, we're going to talk, to talk. And here's the problem. I only had one little thing that I left out last week. And it marinated. And so now it's like a full-blown series in itself. No kidding. And so, brothers and sisters, I, I told Candace again this morning, if God, just don't let me spill what you've given me. It, we're, this is going to be a remarkably solid day in our lives. Holy Spirit is speaking with clarity we are in an epoch of history that he, God, listen, is so intentional. He's so active right now. And, we're, and, and way too many believers are getting distracted by what they see in the natural. So buckle up. Here we go. You ready this morning? Full-brained Christianity. Our text last week and this week comes from John chapter 8, very familiar verse of Scripture. Jesus says... To the Jews who had believed in him, these are Jews who, who, they've left the old covenant, they go, this is our Messiah. It's a big difference to understand that. And Jesus says to them, please hear me, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Everybody stop, look at me right here. I've said this, none of us can do that in our own strength. I can't live for Jesus for three hours in my own semantic left brain effort people try that and they become pharisaical and they do more damage to themselves to others their family and the world by trying to live for jesus in their own strength so we must to hold to jesus teaching we have to have holy spirit energy and power flowing through us can i get a witness are we Everybody got that. Okay, I want to reestablish that again. Then he says, in doing that, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And the whole series is, if you know, you know. And that's what I'm after. I want you to know that you know. And to know something is one thing, but to know something is another. A while back, we... Candace loves to go to Jason's Deli, like loves Jason's Deli. I like it, but I love her, so I've learned to like it a lot. And she's got JP, our youngest. He loves Jason's for the salad bar and the ice cream, you know. And I was trying to talk to them. We were about to go on a Daniel fast a couple years ago, and I was like, guys, Jason's Deli, the last day before we can't have meat, come on. And I said, let's go to Fuddruckers. <laughs> and JP was like, that doesn't even sound good, Dad. That sounds like a bad word, you know? And uh, so I talked him into it. 
And we, were, we weren't there eating our meal five minutes. He was into his bur cheeseburger and fries. He said this to me, Dad, we should have been coming here all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, I've been trying to talk you into this your whole life. Help me talk your mama into it. But what happened was, JP knew they served burgers. And according to me, and he trusts me, they serve good burgers. But then he went and it changed his life. <laughs> you know? there, there are many believers that they know things like JP knew before he knew. <sighs> Holy Spirit comes to help us know what we know. Now, last week, I didn't say this, but because I ran out of time. In the, the mid-70s, there was a sermon preached. I didn't hear it live, of course, but I was alive, but I didn't hear it. Uh, a guy I love, a mentor, Pastor Jack Hayford. And he's, he, he preached a sermon, and it was called this. Holy Spirit, the great psychiatrist. And before you laugh and go, ah, what did we say last? Everybody, please listen. Holy Spirit is that and a lot more because Holy Spirit comes to illuminate the word. What's the word? Truth. What's truth? Truth is a person. Holy Spirit comes to conceive the person of Jesus in me. He illuminates, helps me to see things, illuminate, see things that I haven't seen. Holy Spirit comes as my psychiatrist to remind me of things Jesus has said that I have forgotten or I'm foggy with. And he has perfect timing to remind me exactly what Jesus said. And I say this often, many of us, if we were open to Holy Spirit power, if we could just get Holy Spirit to remind us what the word says, what Jesus has said to us, it would change our whole perspective of what we're walking through. Holy Spirit is our psychiatrist. He's our paraclete, one who comes alongside, holds us up, helps us, comforts us, counsels us. The Holy Spirit parents us. He's a psychiatrist. He mothers us, fathers us. Paul said, the spirit in us, when we don't even know what to tell the psychiatrist, the Holy Spirit will cry out, Abba, and pray for me. And so when I say that I want to help us move down this, this semantic, autobiograph, episodic, how do I get healed from all those episodes, all that stuff I've been through? How do I get my right brain working with the Word of God? You, you open up to Holy Spirit coming in and operating in the one that, sh that conceives Jesus in you, helps Jesus grow in you, and helps Jesus live his life through you. And then you will begin to know the truth. And the truth will do what? The nature of knowing the truth is you will know freedom. How many of you in this room know we all could use a little more freedom, amen? Personal freedom, family freedom. And so there is our foundation for jumping in this week. Now, the left side of the brain knows facts and discerns facts. 
The right side of my brain, I know I've got it turned around, but y'all, everybody tracking with me. I, I did this, this last, and I got disoriented. And with ADD like I have, I can't, talking about my brain, I can't turn around and not see my notes. That's what makes 45 minute sermons an hour and 20. How many of you are all for me facing this way this week? Yeah, Josh, come on now. He's been doing that to me since I was 23 years old. So the left side of my brain, facts. I walk in and the right side of my brain picks up on the vibe. The left side of your brain, those of you who have never been here before or, or when you first came, you, you learned our, the name of the church. You Googled the website and you picked up some facts, location, service time. And the left side of your brain knew where and when and then when you got here, the right side of your brain picked up on a vibe, the spirit of this place. And the right side of your brain discerned in a split second, a hundred times more than of what this place was really about than your left side of your brain. Are y'all, everybody tracking with me? And shoulders up, shoulders down. Now. The left side of my brain understands what you say to me, but the right side of my brain, when we greet each other, tells me how you feel about me. I pick up on a million different things. Now, it's in that right side of our brain that I believe Ezekiel 36, this is what the Old Testament prophet was saying when he said, as I said earlier, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. Last week, I illustrated this to help everybody gather. And I shortened the illustration, believe it or not. The woman at the well, she was Sumerian. Her episodic memory had a lot of Hear me, trauma. Married five times, living with a man. She does, can't even call his name, and they're sleeping together. And Jesus begins to peel back the layers and open her heart up for ministry. And when, when he does that and he gets a little too close to her, she does what a lot of us do when we're hurting in intimacy. We're having to face an intimate moment. We'll be sarcastic or make a funny remark. And she says, I can see that you're a prophet. And then she goes, well, I'm going to move a little bit closer to him, but keep him at arm's distance. And she goes, my people say we should worship over here. And your people say we should worship over, over there. What are the rules for worship? And Jesus drops a bomb and he says, my father is seeking worshipers who will worship. Listen, not in truth only. You're, you're asking for a formula, where and how. And Jesus says, let's, oh, the, the key to you being able to move in out of this trauma that and this lifestyle of addiction and abuse is if you could learn to worship in spirit and in truth. Truth, what you know. Spirit, what you feel. And when you put, not just spirit only, I talked about that and y'all come, yeah, y'all are a bunch of Italian expressive spirit filled believers, but we're not shoulders down only. We are shoulders up and shoulders down. And Jesus is saying to this woman, if you could learn to do that. And then the Bible says she went and told everybody everywhere. I met a man 
like I've never met before. Oh, I, 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 avoid the temptation, rabbit trail averted. We just say 15 minutes, everybody. Just praise the Lord for that. Are y'all, everybody tracking with me? Because we're going deep this morning. Now, with that said, I want to introduce a word, anointing. And this is a word we use, but a lot of people can't take you to a scripture or help you understand biblically what the anointing is. Everybody say anointing. Anointing is when God, listen, when God works through you in such a way that it is obviously him doing the work, not you, and it enables you to accomplish things only God can do. Listen, it's supernatural ability, the anointing. Remember? The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. And she goes, or you will become the mother of the Messiah. She goes, I don't know how this can happen. And then the angel says to Mary, a virgin, unmarried, here's how you're going to become a mother. And there's going to be a divine child growing in your womb. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. People will realize this is God, not you. This is what the anointing is. When we talk about the anointing, when God works through in such a way, it's obviously him. Enables you to accomplish things only he can do. It is literally a supernatural ability. In Isaiah chapter 61, everybody pay, pay close attention. This is a messianic prophecy where the prophet Isaiah is speaking of what will happen with Jesus when he comes 700 years later. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Notice spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, please listen. The anointing breaks the yoke. In verse 27, it's, Isaiah says, because of the Assyrians and what they're doing and taunting you as a nation. Oh, God help us to hear biblical truth that is so relevant and modern to where we are. It's so right now current reality. Verse 27 says, the burden of them taunting you, that nation will be taken away and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Yoke, what is a yoke? It's anything connected to you that is a hindrance to you living for God. We commonly call these things strongholds. A yoke on the farm is this. It's a picture of, do we have that? And that piece of wood yokes those two oxen or whatever those animals are together and they work together. And the strongest one is limited by the weakest one. The weakest one, and, and in the Old Testament, what the prophet right here is saying is, you have some stuff that's, that's limiting you, keeping you from being able to, to be what God wants you to be. The beauty of it in the New Testament, because Jesus did come and was anointed, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. 
And, and so yoke up with me. But in this, pro, in this Old Testament deal here, what am I saying? There are strongholds that limit us. And God says, I send my anointing that you might break free from those strongholds and not be limited because of what the anointing will do. Later, Jesus comes in the New Testament, Luke chapter four, verse 18, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has, say it with me, anointed me. Now look at these four things, brothers and sisters, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Now these four things, Jesus is quoting from this passage in the Old Testament. I have come to preach good news to poor people. I have come to help prisoners get out of prison. You may go, I'm, I'm not in prison. No, the prison of those episodic memories of abuse, the, the, the prison of being a divorcee, that the enemy keeps yoking you to your past identity. And the yoke comes to set you free from being limited from that. And I could go on and on and on. The prisoner, the anointing came, Jesus preached good news to the poor. Prisoner set free, blinded eyes open. Well, I'm not blind. Yeah, but there's things you can't see. And the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate them so you can see. And then the last one, freedom for the oppressed. Freedom for the oppressed. Those four things. How many thank God for Jesus? Because he did come and give us those four things. Now, all right. I, I know I've said it a couple times, but I'm going to say it one more time. If I were Jesus, I would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, okay? I'm saying this. Listen closely. The anointing. When God works through you in such a way, it's obvious that he's doing the work. It's supernatural ability. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in me. When the anointing comes up on me, Ezekiel 36, there's a new mind, new heart. He moves me to follow and, be, and, and to, to keep his laws. Now, the Holy Spirit, my episodic autobiographical memory, the right side of my brain, my psychiatrist, healing me of all the episodes of my life, redeeming my biography and giving me a new mind and a new heart. Then when I, a pastor, come to speak and to minister the word and I lean not on my own power or strength, but I lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing flows through me and God's doing things that I can't do. And then you sit with a hungry heart, open to the ministry of the Spirit, and you listen, not only with your semantic memory, going, I wonder if what he's saying is factually true. Well, I can shoot holes in that argument. But you go, I'm and I'm, listen, I'm not against anybody making sure what I'm saying is true. In fact, I'm for it. Be like the Bereans in the book of Acts. They went home and checked to make sure everything Paul said was right. But don't just listen as an investigative journalist. 
When I'm preaching from my right side that's healed and the Holy Spirit anoints me and he's preaching and you receive it in that side of you not just getting facts, but picking up, I'm just calling it, it's not a biblical word, but vibes. When I'm ministering under that kind of anointing and you're receiving under that kind of anointing, that's when poor people become rich. Prisoners get set free, blinded eyes are opened up, and that's when the captives, the oppressed, are set free. Everybody tracking with, and every Sunday when we come in here, I, I don't come with a case. I come with a, a, a message that if God doesn't anoint it, the crowd will dwindle and half of y'all won't be back next week. I don't come to to preach things that appeal to your head. I don't come to impress you how smart I am, and that'd be hard to do if you really knew. Seriously, I come to preach on, I come to preach out of a reservoir that is not me. Can you receive and open up to receiving in an area of you that's not you? where you have episodes that have robbed you from who you really are. Will you receive there the impartation that God gives so that you can become the real you? A prisoner set free, blinded eyes open, oppressed, no more. Y'all out there, everybody tracking with me. All right, now, Jesus quotes in Luke chapter four, and this is a significant happening. This isn't him just saying, He's quoting from Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Listen to me. This is in the beginning of his ministry. In Luke chapter four, it opens up with Jesus. He's in the wilderness being tempted. Right after he's been baptized, he overcomes the temptation of the enemy because he was filled with the spirit. The spirit led him into the wilderness. How many of you hate when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness? <laughs> I want to be led to Disney World this afternoon. Anybody? A cruise. Holy Spirit led him there. He came out and resisted the temptation. He then comes into his own hometown in the synagogue and is handed the scroll of Isaiah to read. He flips it over and reads this passage intentionally, very, and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me. And he, he quotes that, what I've just, what we've, what we've been talking about. And they go, well, well let, me, let me finish. He, he quotes it, sits down and says, today in your hearing, this prophecy has been fulfilled. Now everybody hold on just a second. You talking about a left brain, right brain, say what? The, the carpenter's son just said, he's the Messiah. How I many of you know there's a spiritual explosion getting ready to happen? And Jesus was not backing down, nor was he over-promising and under, he was saying the truth. This has just been fulfilled. So then what happens? They don't like it. And they go, how can he say, isn't this Mary's son? We watched him growing up. He played with our, 
Emmanuel. He ain't the only Jesus in this neighborhood. I saw him get his diaper changed. That's what they said. Their left brain was going, you missed that, bro. The very next verses say, all the people, verse 28, in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Welcome, Emmanuel, the Messiah, Jesus. Thanks for letting us know the prophecy's fulfilled. Y'all tracking, are you seeing what's happening? You go on into this, verse 31 says, okay, I'll leave. He went on to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Everybody look here. These people were used to hearing Pharisees stand up and say God like this, like God. And they thought that the anointing came by what they were wearing. And they were appealing to people's respect and their left brain. And they talked about the synagogues and the teachers under which they studied. And they left people going, ah. And Jesus stands up in a robe and sandals and goes, a farmer went out and threw some seed on the ground. And they sat there going, wow, for real? Because he was anointed and they were hungry, and some of them, their left brain went, that's Joseph's son, he's a carpenter. What does he know about the word, the prophets, the law? And others said, where'd he get that stuff? Are y'all tracking, everybody tracking with me? Now, Verse 33 says, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. I'm going to just stop right here. And I know we don't, I don't have time. This is a whole nother teaching, but everybody look at me. Jesus moves into advancing his ministry. He gets to Capernaum for the first time, goes to the synagogue and what's there? A demon possessed person. And you may go, man, I'm glad, glad I didn't live back then. Bro, I'm glad you don't know how many demon-possessed people come to this church is what I'm glad about. I'm stretching it a little bit. But tormented. People who have strongholds that they've lived under a long time. And Jesus comes and he exposes that. And that's what happens when truth comes in to lie. Lies get exposed. Verse 34, the demon cries out at the top of his voice. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Notice, Jesus' hometown didn't realize who he was. But a demon in the synagogue in the same chapter realizes who he is. And ask him, what are you, person of truth, going to make us do? There's a lot to pick up right there, and I know it's Sunday morning. This is like conference stuff, I realize it, but where we're going, what do you want with, have you come to destroy us? And listen to what the demon says. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And what does Jesus say? Be quiet. 
I don't want you being my PR person, Mr. <laughs> Demon. He says, be quiet. Jesus says, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Verse 36, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With a, Hear me. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Do you see what I see? In his own hometown, stuck, dealing with facts and logic. There's no way he can be the Messiah. This can't be him. But in Capernaum, listen, they receive his anointing and saw him do things that it was obviously God was working through him too. Now, in verse 42, it says, at daybreak, in this same passage, I don't have this scripture, but listen. It says, at daybreak, the people in Capernaum went out to, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people of Capernaum were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. How many of you, if Jesus came and was doing that here at Restoration, you'd be like, him and men, don't let him out of the parking lot. How many of you? <laughs> Problem is, some of you'd be like, get him out of here. I don't want him exposing and dealing. Because we're like that woman at the well going, you're getting a little too close. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I want Jesus. I welcome his anointing. I welcome the Holy Spirit that comes as the great psychiatrist and heals us. Now, everybody look at me. This is what the New Testament church looks like, okay? It is a spirit-filled, full-brained operation. And the poor hear the news. They receive the gospel. Prisoners receive freedom. Blind people get sight. Oppressed are set free. You see, when I am anointed, hear me, when I am anointed to minister by the Holy Spirit and you are anointed to receive ministry by the Holy Spirit, then what happened in the book of Acts? Sounds from heaven fill this whole house and things that only God can do gets done. Now let's break this down. I'm on the third page of three pages. It doesn't mean anything, but just so you'll know, just an update. So let's break this down. Acts chapter two, the day the church was born, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th, 50 days since the Passover. In Acts chapter two, they were all in one place in one accord and wind from heaven filled the whole house and the people were, look, look at this, they were amazed and perplexed. Some of you today, right now here, you haven't heard a sermon like this, maybe ever, but it's been a while. And the Bible says they were amazed and perplexed. And I think that's a lot of time, listen, amazed and perplexed is where a lot of times God wants to get us to where he can release the anointing. You were like, oh wow, but I don't know what that means. You know, it's like, Oh, wow. 
Everybody tracking with me? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the, the, the room, the whole house, how many of you know God wants the whole house? I, I'm, I'm, I will preach for an hour if you don't offer a little feedback. How many of you know God wants to fill the whole house? Your house, my house, and this house. He's not a halfway God. He wants to come and fill the house. Can I get a witness? How many of you want him to fill the whole house with spirit and truth? Now, what does this mean? Some of them ask. While others, what does this mean? It's a good question. I want to pick up on the vibe. How does this translate? What are you doing, God? And the Bible says, while others made fun of them and thought they were drunk this early in the morning. Peter stood up, who six weeks ago denied he even knew Jesus, but he had recently in this chapter been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up and he raises his voice and addresses the crowd and says, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. Let me, let me just stay, say something right here. Pentecostal spirit-filled people have often been accused rightfully, deservedly so, of being shoulders down only. And there's a little too much craziness in their practice. And a lot of it is sincere, but they're going, these people are drunk. And listen, what's happening here, they're not acting like drunk people. What's happening here is people are going, who has this kind of joy at nine o'clock in the morning? That's what's happening. Don't be mistaken. This is the original outpouring. Don't think this is a bunch of hillbillies from West Virginia. This is an outpouring. And people are going, what are y'all on? Y'all know what I'm saying? And they ask that. And Peter says, they're not drunk. This is what, let me take you to truth. He goes, this is what Joel in chapter two prophesied. Jesus was the Messiah, but you killed him. Y'all, everybody listen. This is the same guy who six weeks earlier was like, I don't know who Jesus is. And now he's transformed. And there's an And he quotes from Joel chapter two and he says, in the last days, God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, every tribe, every tongue, every generation, men and women, young men and women will see visions, old men will dream dreams. Peter stands up and has courage under that anointing. And he tells him, not only that, but Jesus was the Messiah and y'all killed him. And Peter says, y'all killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Everybody listen, there, this is a confrontation happening here, similar to what's happening right now, but way more intense. He looks them in the eyes, he was the Messiah. Y'all killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Let everyone know this, uh, Peter says, God has made Jesus. This is what he said, both Lord and Messiah. And the Bible says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter, what should we do now? 
Let me, everybody listen to me, okay? This is where we're diving off. When's the last time you've heard a sermon where you were cut to the heart? And I'm not talking about you disagreed or you didn't like the delivery, but a, t- a time when you heard a word from God. When's the last time in your devotions you're reading and it's not just your left brain going, I gotta get this done to keep up with my daily, but, but you're, you're, you're cement, you're, you're, you're there, spirit and truth. When's the last time you got cut to your heart? Let me tell you something. This doesn't happen nearly enough. And we have a model in the American Western church where pastors are afraid to even preach the truth at that level. You know why? Because we're so busy appealing to our crowd, growing our budgets and building our campuses and multiplying our ministry. And it's my left brain, let me impress you, speaking to your left brain going, he's impressive. And we don't get up here and go, here's what the word says. You don't need me to impress you. This is why Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words. I came with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom. I've said this the last three weeks. And here, here's where we are. You know what this is? Peter's standing up and going, here's what is happening. Here's why it's happened. And y'all are responsible for it. You know what this is? It's a confrontation. And there's a spiritual circumcision happening. And the crowd, like this crowd, has to go, left brain, is what he's saying true? Yeah, he quoted. Right brain, how's this apply to me? Am I going to own this? Wednesday night in here with parents talking about Christian family and consecrated Christian families. I know that I'm right here with the word on teaching family principles. And Christian family practices are over here. But I can't come up here in a good conscience and go, here's here's what God is asking and here's how God blesses our families. Y'all tracking? So I come and there's a circumcision that has to happen. I have to get, I have to deal with truth. Everybody look at me, circumcision. I know there are innocent ears in the room, but we we must understand this. Joshua brought the children of Israel across. Finally, after the 40 years in the wilderness, they're in the promised land. And what does God tell him? The first thing I want you to do circumcise all the males. It's been 40 years since anybody's been circumcised in here. How many, you think Joshua was like, oh, they're gonna love that. What's the next thing you want me to do? (laughs) This is, this is, y'all, this is in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. And, And God says, circumcise them. And there's other things that they do too, but please, please don't miss this. Circumcision, why? Number one, they've forgotten who they are. Circumcising them, they will be reminded of the covenant I made with Abraham. So that's the first thing. They don't know who they are. I think it's one of the greatest problems in the American church. Christian people, we don't know who we are. We don't know our authority. We don't know our privileges. We don't know our inheritance. Paul called it a circumcision of the heart. 
The first thing that happens is you remember who you are. When you get circumcised, the second thing is, please listen to me. And I say this with all due respect, unnecessary flesh gets cut away. Flesh, that which is not redeemable, that we must kill every day. So just go ahead and get it cut away. The third thing that happens is you feel pain and it takes a few days to recover. There's a lot of things. God is trying to do that in our lives a lot of times just to get us to sit still and recover. Are y'all tracking with me? I know you're like, I do. I want to say amen, but I'm not sure where you're going and I feel uncomfortable if I say amen. Everybody on my row will be like. <laughs> and here's the other thing. Not only that, but listen to me. God wants to circumcise. He wants to redeem the most intimate organ that causes life to be shared so that life can beget life. In ministry, in the New Testament, Colossians and Romans says, we need our hearts circumcised. What does that look like, Pastor Chuck? It looks like what's happening on Acts chapter two. Peter's standing up and telling the truth. It looks a little bit of what Pastor Chuck's doing right now, saying there's a Holy Spirit reformation coming and you can be like the people in Nazareth and go, you ain't the Messiah, you're Joseph and Mary's son, get out of here. Or you can be like the people in Capernaum and go, please don't leave. Everybody tracking? Left brain, right brain, it's your choice. You wanna just deal, me and you deal with logic? No, we don't want to deal just with truth. We want truth. Don't check your brain at the door. Bring it with you on Sundays. This isn't a hype machine. The eternal God is in this room. And his spirit comes to do more than pump us up. He comes to cut away our flesh. Remind us of who we are so that life can be transmitted into future generations that a consecrated, sacred generation could raise up of world changers. Mm. Now, mm. so the, when Peter stood up and said that, they said, what should we do? They were cut to the heart and asked, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. Now this, brothers and sisters, is the anointing that breaks the yoke. There, we're at, there's some yokes right now in this room hanging on that much and God's coming to set us free because there's an anointing in this room. Verse 40, Acts 2 still says, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And how many of you like for this to be the story of what's happening in North Atlanta or North America? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. How many of you like for our community, once again, to be filled with awe at what God is doing? Come on, don't, don't, don't offer up some tepid clap. How many of you know that's possible? That's God's plan in the name of Jesus. And we shouldn't settle for anything less as the ecclesia. Now, in closing, I promise. The anointing that comes to break the yoke. Ministry where blinded eyes receive sight. Oppressed people get set free. This kind of ministry. When you walked in this room the first time or every time, do you see things that you don't just see? Like even right now, there's one of two kinds of people. Some of you are sitting here going, I'm not sure I like this guy. Seriously, and that's okay. And some of you are going, God is speaking to me through that guy. God is here. Do you know what? I don't want me to speak. I don't want to share my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. We are in such a desperate place in our world. We need to hear from God. And let me tell you, for me to stand up here and tell you what I think he's trying to tell you, I have to circumcise and break down myself. Because I could stand up here and give you warm fuzzies. We could grow this crowd. We could fill this place up three times on the weekend. But that's not what our world needs. Our world needs to be filled with awe once again at the miracle supernatural environment of the body of Christ. Come on, if you're gonna clap, do it with all your heart. Praise your name, Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 24, don't turn there. Everybody just listen to me. I don't have, I don't, I don't have this up. This, is, this illustrates what I'm talking about beautifully, perfectly. It's Resurrection Sunday. Luke 24 opens up and talks about the women went to the tomb. They came back, told the disciples, and the disciples were like, yeah, right, whatever. And then there's two disciples seven miles away from the other disciples, and they get word that Jesus has been resurrected. And they're like, no way. We'd love to believe it, but it's women that came back and told us. And women, in the Bible, at that point, women couldn't even testify in court. Their, their testimony wasn't um, credible. And everybody look. And so these disciples, the Bible says they were oppressed. And you would be too. Jesus was crucified two days before on Friday. And Jesus appears to them. And the Bible says they didn't know it was him. Please hear me. Some of you find yourself in a situation like we find our world in right now. 
and Jesus is appearing and you don't even recognize he's the one behind what's happening. And Jesus says to them, guys, what's wrong? And the Bible says they came to a stop and stood still and said this to Jesus. Are you the only person in all of Israel who doesn't know what happened this weekend? Imagine the audacity. Of, do you see what's happening? And Jesus goes, tell me. He didn't lie. He didn't say, no, I don't know what happened. He knows he was the one crucified, buried. You realize he's got to be dying to go, oh, I know, Mr. Smarty Bridges. I know what's going on. But do you know? And then they tell him. The one we had hoped was the one was crucified. And some of the ladies came and tried to tell us that he's alive again. We're just like, ain't no way. And Jesus says, the Bible says he started teaching them the word. Holy Spirit inspired, anointed. And he, he reminded them, don't you realize the Messiah has to be crucified beaten, denied. And he walks them through the Old Testament law and prophets. He teaches them the word and they still don't know it's him. And they got to a fork in the road where the two on the road to Demaeus are going here to their house and Jesus acts like coyly, like he's going to go on. And they go, oh man, it's late. You Come on, stay with us. You can go in the morning. And the Bible says when they sat down at the table and they broke bread, their eyes were opened and they realized there's something that when, when, when you get intimate at the table with Jesus and he breaks bread, you see him. Y'all try. And they realized who it was. And the Bible said, as soon as they realized, this is so like God. As soon as they realized who it was, he disappeared. Do you know God plays hide and seek like that? Because he loves for you to have to find him. I could preach an hour right there. How many of you are, it's just hide and seek. He's just wanting you to find him. He knows where he is. He knows where you, he's not lost. He just wants you to come find him. Are y'all tracking with me? And the Bible says, as soon as their eyes were open, they realized it was him, he was gone. And they looked at each other and they said, was your heart burning? when he was talking. Mine too. My prayer is that every time someone preaches on this, from this pulpit, that you don't sit there and go, that guy's sharp. That was funny. That made sense. That was doctrinally sound. You need to find a church where you get in a car and you go, honey, was your heart burning today? My, my heart's burning right now. Anybody else says your heart is burning right now? So what have I said to you today? I've said these four things. You need to engage your hunger for spirit and truth, not truth only. The second thing I've said is the anointing breaks the yoke. 
the anointing, the move of the Holy Spirit in my life that heals me of episodes, that delivers me from blindness. Y'all tracking? The anointing breaks the yoke. The third thing I've said is you were created to long for truth and your heart burns when you are near it or hear it. Everybody look at me. Everybody on this planet, everybody that's in the chaos and confusion of what's going on in our culture right now, everybody is searching for truth and we will not be satisfied until we discover it. Let me tell you something. The wild left, what's happening in our culture, people who have distorted lifestyles, one thing that happens to them every night when they go to bed is they know in their heart of hearts that they do not have peace. So don't pridefully go, yeah, we do. Get your acting. No, let's pray for them that somewhere, somehow, they would hear some truth and their heart would start burning and go, are y'all tracking with me? The fourth and final thing that I've said this morning is the Holy Spirit will help you to know the truth. Can I get a witness? Come on, now let's stand this morning. Let's come and give our hearts to the Lord on his altar. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. You are sending your children, some of us, to public schools at five and six years old. Get ready. They are teaching them how to masturbate. Gwinnett County, Fulton County, what's coming? And for us to go, let's stay away from the touchy subjects. No, we're going to present the truth of God's word because that's the only thing that he will confirm. Amen. How many of you are hungry for his word? How many of you welcome his spirit in your life? Come on, just raise your hands right now. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I want to pray for two kinds of people, especially. I want to pray for people who would say, I need more Holy Spirit in my life. I need healing from blindedness. I need healing from oppression. I need to be set free from some of the yokes, the strongholds that are keeping me down. I want to pray for you. Those of you who are here this morning going, I need more Holy Spirit in my life in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray for people who are wired, left-brained, CPAs, attorneys, accountants, teachers, engineers. It's so hard. It's easy for me to go shoulders down, but it's hard for you. And it's okay. Don't, don't leave the shoulders up, but just ask him to help you move into a place where you can hear his word in spirit and in truth. Is God good or what this morning? Anybody thankful for his word? Anybody, just be cleansed, brothers and sisters. We praise you, Lord. Full-brained Christianity. We don't check our brains at the door. We're not a bunch of emotional hype, unstable religious zealots. And we're not drunk on wine. We're inebriated by the Holy Spirit and he gives us a joy that's unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. If y'all stop smiling at me, I'll stop preaching. Wipe it off. Let me just pray for us before we go this morning. 
I, I wish so desperately we could open up the altar. Pray for us that God will give us wisdom in the next, the coming weeks. There are so many of us that if we could just lay our hands on you for prayer, yokes would be broken because there's an anointing in this room. And there's, from the looks of your faces, you're hungry. You're ready to walk in freedom. And I just, I want to pray for anointing over your houses, over your marriages, over your families, over your lives. So Father, I thank you for this body of believers. They love you. This is a room full of authentic Christians who want to make a difference in the world. They want to be salt. They want to be light. They want to walk in spiritual freedom. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Want to walk in wholeness and fulfill the destiny that you've called them to in their lives. And I thank you, Father, that you are bringing us, some of us to a place where that old flesh is being cut away. It's painful. It hurts. We're having to sit still and heal so that life can be transmitted through us to our children. Glory to your name, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Circumcise our hearts, O oh Lord. May we be consecrated, sanctified unto you, Lord realizing the fullness of this life, abundant life in you. Break yokes and strongholds, generational consequences. I call them down in the name of Jesus. The yokes of pornography and addictions, we call them off and out and broken. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Anger, resentment, the spirit of rejection and fear and anxiety and worry. Come on. We call them out and off in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you come in the power of your spirit like a dove to gently deliver us, to set us free. I praise you, Lord. And may we be like the people in Capernaum that say, don't leave. You got to stay here, Lord. We want you here. We want you in our home, in our marriages, in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Could you just declare praises to the Lord as if you are free this morning? For he whom the Son sets free is free for real. Free for real. Free indeed. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And Father, may you set this church free. May there be liberty because your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you all and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. Listen to me. May he lift up his countenance on you this week and you see him see you. And may he give you peace because you see him. You received that this morning in Jesus' name. God bless y'all. Have a good afternoon.